0: Welcome to GE Vital Voices, where we help move the conversation and solutions forward. GE Healthcare is focused on precision health. Doctors, nurses and clinicians are often under-resourced and overburdened. And COVID-19 has brought this front and centre. Solving the industry's productivity challenges by improving access, enabling more precise patient diagnosis and treatment, shortening hospital stays and wait times, and lowering overall costs is more pressing now than ever. GE Healthcare is about delivering on the future of healthcare by enabling precision health, integrated, efficient, and highly personalized care.
1: Welcome to another episode of GE Vital Voices. My name is Elna Schutz and I'm a journalist who frequently works in the healthcare space. As you might know by now, on this podcast, we look at the issues affecting healthcare professionals and everybody who is interested in public healthcare in South Africa and beyond. Now I know we've spoken about cancer on the show before, and I don't think anybody was really surprised that breast cancer was on the list of most common cancers. And unfortunately, that is not just a local issue. According to the World Health Organization, as of the end of 2020, there were 7.8 million women alive who were diagnosed with breast cancer in the past five years. That makes it by far the world's most prevalent cancer. Now bringing it back closer to home, If you look at the data by the Global Cancer Observatory, it is estimated that cancer incidence and mortality rates in Africa specifically are increasing, and breast cancer can make up to a third of that in women. And the thing that really sticks out to me is that statistics show that when you want to improve breast cancer outcomes, it depends partly on fundamental health systems being strengthened to deliver the treatments that are already known to work. And we know health systems are a very big issue in healthcare in Africa. So today, in honor of October as Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we will be talking about this. But from the point of view of the healthcare provider, We're going to track the journey of a breast cancer diagnosis by speaking to the healthcare workers that follow that journey with a patient. We'll start with a mammographer, who often sees the first cancer images, then go on to a radiologist, who must unfortunately often break the news, and then end with the surgeon, who is a big part of the treatment. Now, regardless of what type of medicine you might work with or be interested in, I think these conversations and insights are important to all of us. Now let's get into it. To start off this conversation, let's meet our first guest. It's Natalie Glade, who is the chief mammographer at Helen Joseph Hospital here in Johannesburg, where she has been for almost 30 years. So that is a lot of experience we're drawing on. Natalie, thank you so much
2: for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, this is really an honor to be able to speak.
1: And tell me, just for our listeners who might not know, what is the radiographer or mammographer's role in a breast cancer diagnosis and what are the boundaries of that role?
2: Okay. Okay. So, Elna, what basically happens, I work at the dedicated breast center. Um, it's in a, at the academic hospital, so a public hospital, These patients will come through a breast clinic and then come to us for a booking for a mammogram uh, where we uh, basically classify cancer patients as a red patient. They have to be done within five to ten days. uh, And then when they basically come in for their mammograms, we register them and then we do a mammography history sheet on them. So then we find out um, how many babies they had, did they breastfeed, do they have the lump, Uh, how does the lump feel, we examine that lump as well, Uh, we say in which quadrant of the breast it is, we check for family history of breast cancer, we check if they've had previous surgeries, and we also check for the medications that they're using. From there, you will explain to the patient that you're going to do a mammogram on them, Uh, how many views are you going to do, and you position the patient, but you always try to make them comfortable as well. So uh, when you do the mammogram, you basically get your images, you send it through to the radiologist and you explain to the patient that they have to wait for their ultrasound and their biopsy. Then the radiologist is the doctor that will do the ultrasound on the patient. We also check under the axilla, the armpit, to check for the glands if the cancer hasn't spread into the glands and we check the liver. Then the doctor will proceed to call the mammographer in To assist them with the biopsy so we'll do informed consent with the patient explain to them what we're going to do set up a a sterile procedure and basically tell them that we're going to inject them with a contrast Uh, the role of the mammographer is to assist the doctor with a biopsy so you will hold the probe over the cancer lump that basically guides the doctor how the needle should go into the patient's breast So we'll do approximately two passes or three passes and that specimen gets sent off to the lab. And then we book the patient and tell them that they should come back after two to three weeks for the result to the breast surgeon. And this is basically where my boundary ends then with the patient. And yet
1: even though you are perhaps not the one that gives them the diagnosis, I'm sure you face a lot of emotional patients, patients who are unsure, who have maybe never gone through this, or even if they have, have a lot of emotions about going through it again. What do you observe,
2: and how do you deal with it? Firstly, the role that I'm playing as a mammographer. I always say when you work in the medical profession, even a teacher as well, It's like a calling. You have to, the patients don't come to the hospital because they want to. It's because they need help. So we need to be compassionate. We have to be kind. We have to show empathy. We need to make them feel at ease because they're very anxious. So your role is basically to make the environment as comfortable for the patient because they're already anxious. When we uh, do the images, because we've got digital images, so when I've x-rayed the breast, the image will come on, and I'll do a bit of education with the patient also. I will tell them, listen, this is your breast tissue type. They know already that they've got a lump, so I'll show them this is how the lump looks, and that's the lump that we're going to biopsy. Where I also even go further is to tell the patient, you know, when we do the biopsy, we're going to get the full personality of the lump. We look at the prognostic markers, so it will tell you whether the patient has cancer or not, or if it's a cancer, what type of cancer it is. It will also tell you whether it's um, um, estrogen and progesterone positive or negative. It will tell you how fast is the lump growing, and also um, HER2 to positive and negative. So the doctors will get a lot of information and that's going to help them to to further your treatment so that you'll have a success. So our message is always a message of hope that they will get through this and we make them very comfortable. So it takes a lot out of you as well. I can imagine
1: personally, I'm sure many healthcare workers listening can understand that pressure of being with people and seeing diagnoses. But how do you handle it?
2: Okay, for me, myself, um, you know, I'm also very spiritual. You have to take care of yourself also because you can't bring your problems from home to work. So, and I can't bring necessarily all the patients that I've seen today that had breast cancers and come home and be all sad and depressed at home. So you have to balance the two. You have to make sure that you do some meditating, do some um, yoga or something, to relax yourself also, because for me, I feel I always need to give my best to my patient. You want to make them feel comfortable. Like fortunately for me, I've been in this for many years. I've seen positive outcomes and I've seen negative outcomes for patients as well. But you still have to give them a message of hope, because in our department, we see a lot of breast cancers. We do about Say uh, maybe 80 biopsies a month, and out of that 80, you can get 68 patients that has invasive breast cancers. So we have to be there for our patients. It does take a lot out of you, but we work as a team. We talk amongst each other as radiographers, so we encourage each other as well.
1: Our listeners are often healthcare workers. So what would you want other healthcare workers, both inside and outside of breast cancer as a field, what would you want them to know about the work that you do?
2: So Elna, one very important factor for me is with the type of patients that we deal, uh, some of them actually have to first go to a primary clinic where the nurse looks at you, and she will then decide whether she'll give you that referral letter to go to the academic hospital or the provincial hospital. So I've seen quite a couple of cases where they delay the process. They will tell the patient it's an abscess and give them antibiotics. And by the time the patient presents to us, the cancer's already spread very far. So I would like for the other healthcare workers to basically go to some workshops or maybe like a short course, you know, maybe for a few days or for some of them to know, please refer the patients to dedicated breast centers where they will then further deal with it with doctors and, you know, people that knows how to deal with it. And the same with doctors as well.
1: Absolutely. That's very important advice. Thank you so much, Natalie, for speaking to us.
2: Thank you so much, Elna. It's been a huge privilege. Thank you so much.
1: The next step in the process for breast cancer patient is usually a radiologist. And so I am speaking to one today. Dr. Neon Glovu is a radiologist at Diagnostic Radiological Services. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me, Elna.
1: So, Doctor, tell us, what is usually your experience with patients, particularly in the case of breast cancer?
3: So, in my experience, patients who are referred to our practice because they are symptomatic, they would have felt a lump or they would have experienced breast pain. So, they generally are very apprehensive. They are scared, they are worried that they could be having breast cancer. So because we are a women-only practice, our frontline staff, they've been trained, they are empathetic, they are compassionate women who make sure that patients feel comfortable. So once they have captured the patient's information, we take the clinical history about the presenting symptoms. So we do the breast cancer risk assessment with the patient and that includes um, taking family history of breast cancer, and um, taking history of whether patient, they have family history of breast cancer m- mutation genes like BRCA1 or 2. And the other thing that we take into account is whether our patients are on hormone replacement therapy or not. So once we have that history, then mammographers, they perform a mammogram. So, as a radiologist, then I assess the mammogram pictures, the images, then I decide if there are any abnormalities or not. So, then the next step includes uh, me doing the physical examination and doing ultrasound of the breast. So, if I find something abnormal on ultrasound and I'm worried that it could be cancer, then I check the axilla as well to check if there's any regional um, lymph. Of cancer. So after I've done all of that, then I discuss the findings with the patients. And patients that have normal findings, then we advise them to follow the screening program. But uh, patients where we find worrying features, then we advise them that we need to confirm our findings with a core biopsy. So after we have spoken to the patient, then we inform the referring clinicians of our findings.
1: Okay, that is quite a process. So within that, it sounds like you often have to be the person to give a diagnosis. How do you do this well when it is such a vulnerable situation?
3: So that's true, but generally we don't give uh, the biopsy results the result goes to the referring clinician who calls the patient in to give them the result. But in cases where the referring clinician is on leave or not available, only then do we call in the patient. We don't ever give results over the phone. If the results are positive for breast cancer, we become frank but compassionate. We avoid using medical jargon we allow tears, we allow silence, we move at the patient's pace. We reassure the patient. Once we can see that the patient emotionally they are settled, then we refer the patient to a breast surgeon for further management.
2: And
1: I'm sure that a big part of this is managing expectations because people might want to know Am I going to die? Am I going to you know have to do this or this surgery? Will I have to do this or this treatment I'm, I'm sure there's quite an emotional reaction like you say. How do you manage those expectations?
3: So patients react to breast cancer diagnosis differently, so we individualize care of patients in some instances we get family or support structure involved, if the patient allows us to do so. They come in to listen, to support the patient, and to take notes about the discussion. So in my experience, once you break the news, most patients become overwhelmed with emotions. So they stop hearing what you're saying. So we just follow the patient's pace. We generally have the third person in the room to just Come to have emotions. But ultimately, we reassure the patient and we give them hope because there is hope that with early uh, detection, then there is treatment for breast cancer.
1: Wow. That is really good that you are able to give that hope. Now, taking a step back to the whole process that you go through with patients, what do you find is most important in that process?
3: So I find that um, it's important that each and every patient is treated differently because some patients, after you have given them the bad news, they don't want to speak. So then you can allow them space to say, okay, fine, maybe you don't want to talk about this today. Um, Some of them, then they will set another appointment where they can bring a spouse, a family or friend to come in with them. Then they'll be emotionally ready to hear what you have to say.
1: That's very smart. I can really sense that you know what you're doing and you've had to do this difficult thing many times. You've mentioned yeah. previously the referring doctor, you've mentioned the surgeon, and as we know, a breast cancer diagnosis really does require a team of people. How do you manage these these relationships and make sure that the patient gets good treatment from the entire team?
3: So after we have told the patient that they have breast cancer, we communicate with the breast surgeons that we are referring the patients to what to expect. And in our setting, we are fortunate because we are part of a multidisciplinary team. We are in constant communication with other healthcare providers. I believe in team effort when it comes to breast cancer management. And there is evidence that multidisciplinary teams lead to better clinical decision and improve quality of treatment compared to single specialist management. So our team comprises of us, radiologists, pathologists with breast interest. Uh, we have breast surgeons in our team, plastic surgeons, oncologists, uh, nuclear physicians, and uh, nurses who are navigators. Uh, some of them, they are counselors that help the patient through the, the journey. And our mammographers and receptionists also attend these meetings so that they know what the patients are going through. And that really helps them so that each and every patient they know walking through our rooms that it could be a potential breast uh, cancer uh, patient and they know how to handle each client with empathy.
1: Absolutely. That is so important.
3: Dr. Ndlovo, we
1: thank you so much for your compassion in what you do and for talking to us today. Thank you, Elna. So on this episode today we have been following the journey of a hypothetical breast cancer patient and regardless of how they might get the diagnosis sooner or later they do tend to end up in the rooms of an oncologist or a surgeon. Someone like Dr. Nivashni Maragan. She is the HOD of breast surgery at the Krishani Baragranath Hospital, where she is in the Bathopele Breast Unit. And she's also a lecturer at Wits University. Thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thank you for the invite and for the opportunity to speak today. So, Doctor, we know the statistics of
1: cancer, particularly breast cancer. I've mentioned some of them earlier in the show. But what do you actually see and experience based on the patients who come through your
4: rooms? So, the Bathapele Breast Unit at Baragwanath Hospital is quite an institution. Um, and it serves a catchment population of between... Three to four million people in an open access clinic. It's a state facility. So obviously we encounter multiple ongoing issues, but I think, you know, reflecting on the, the statistics of cancer in my own practice, what we encounter is that it very much is a mirror of the increasing global statistics, you know, in terms of both the incidence of breast cancer and the mortality of breast cancer. In our clinic, we diagnose between 10 to 15 new cancers every week, And what's interesting is that even during, you know, the previous two years of incredible disruption and chaos from the COVID pandemic, we actually, we continue to diagnose similar numbers of new breast cancers despite having to triage our clinic numbers down to, you know, whatever the acceptable lockdown level at that point was. And it's important that, um, you know, in a very breast-aware world, uh, patients are still conscious of breast issues and they present themselves for healthcare. And another, you know, somewhat alarming trend is the increasing numbers of younger women, actually, women under the age of 40 being diagnosed with breast cancer. And often they, they tend to be more aggressive or more advanced at their stage of diagnosis. And that is certainly a trend we are experiencing in our own clinic. But on a more positive note, we are also able to track survivorship. And with increasingly refined treatment options and treatment modalities, more patients are surviving for longer. So that's also, it's a more positive trend that we can report.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, in the end, it's not just who walks into your clinic, but what happens when they walk out. And what is important to you Absolutely. working with patients? What do you keep in mind or have you learned around managing their expectations and just working with them during quite a difficult time in their lives? Uh
4: Well, you know, I think as a doctor that works in a state practice, like many of my very esteemed and committed colleagues, you have to be – Passionate about what you do and committed to knowing that you know your end goal is to provide the best possible care for a patient who's often in the most challenging time of their life. You know, after a cancer diagnosis, for any patient, it's a it's a challenging um, challenging time, and we face a lot of issues in on on a daily basis being able to provide. This care, but I think what's important is that we continue to put in place uh, measures to be able to do this. And this for me, it means proper resource management. Um, You've got to have good communication, not just with your patients, but in the team that we work with, it's a multidisciplinary team and it involves radiologists. Uh, radiographers it involves um, medical and radiation oncologists it involves anesthetists it involves uh, you know a whole multitude of people and being able to have platforms where we can communicate and we can plan and we can provide the best possible care and i think in our setting we are very fortunate to have a lot of that in place to provide care for patients in a very vulnerable population and It's important for me that we all understand that the patients face a whole host of barriers to care within the healthcare system, even before they reach me. And we need to continue to look for ways to actually minimize the delays and the problems that these patients Just by having a cancer diagnosis, it's a difficult thing to encounter. And then all of the other system issues. So I think it's important that we work in a cohesive team and that we are able to all provide the end goal, which is the best possible patient care.
1: Absolutely. Our listeners on the show are very often all kinds of healthcare professionals, whether it's nurses or doctors, and you've spoken very much about the core team around a breast cancer patient. But what would you like other healthcare professionals to know
4: about your role?
1: Maybe there's something that you wish they knew.
4: I think good and open communication is really essential, and it's very challenging especially in a busy clinical setting it's difficult to spend time explaining various issues to patients and what happens and people that refer to us as well i think um, it's important for them to understand that in a busy complex situation with a lot of moving parts we want to at the end of the day achieve the same thing Uh, we put in place counselors survivorship counselors, social workers, and patient navigators. I think that's an essential component of what it is we do. They are able to track patients uh, in their journey of care, from diagnosis to referring them for chemo or radiation, and to track that they are fine. That, for me, I think, in in the journey of a woman being treated for breast cancer is a really uh, significant thing. Currently, we receive referrals from a very dense network of peripheral primary healthcare and secondary hospitals, and no patients turned away. And we have a fairly robust outreach program as well um, to, once again, minimize any possible barrier that a patient has, that they are referred timelessly, that they are referred at an earlier stage of diagnosis, and that improves their overall outcome. So I think open lines of communication, very important.
1: That's wonderful. Doctor, lastly, this Cannot be an easy field to work in not that any healthcare field is, but you you are seeing a lot of vulnerable patients. How does working in this field um impact you personally, and what have you learned
4: so that is a bit of a double edged question because being a breast cancer surgeon is both incredibly rewarding and equally challenging. Anyone who's fortunate enough to be in a profession that you are genuinely passionate about and that you enjoy, you know, all the aspects of it. And for me, it includes things like the teaching of medical students and training surgeons, the research aspect. I think we sit in a, in a position that Because of the volume of patients that we see, we are very well suited to contribute towards the global knowledge of breast cancer, the understanding and the treatment and the complexities. Uh, But also... In developing these long-standing relationships with your patients, they become, you know, part of your life. As any doctor, it's difficult to lose patients. But I think for me, having developed patient relationships over many years, once you are a patient with breast cancer, you are a patient for life because you will always require follow-up and annual mammograms and losing patients is very difficult. Uh, and it's something that, you know, it's a, it's challenging and it, but it also makes me value what's important in life and to value, you know, family time and to be, have a, a, a sense of work life balance as well. I think you have to be a functioning human being to be a good clinician and to be a good doctor. Quite frankly, so I think uh, it's it offers me a a, a very uh, balanced life. I believe so. I'm I'm very fortunate, and I'm and I'm grateful to be able to do what I do.
1: And I think that's an important lesson for everyone, um, particularly in healthcare. That was Dr. Navashni Maragan from the Chris Honey Baragwanath Hospital. Thank you so much for joining us today.
4: Thanks once again for the invite, and it was a great pleasure. That brings us to the end of our episode all
1: about breast cancer and two things that really stick out to me from all the different people we were talking to today is firstly that collaboration amongst healthcare workers is so key to breast cancer diagnosis and treatment and then I kept noticing how several of the doctors we spoke to said that giving patients a message of hope is really important regardless of what situation they find themselves in. So I hope you can take that away today as we end off this conversation. Just a reminder, the doctors and people that I've spoken to today are Natalie Glade, Dr. Nivashni Murugan and Dr. Neon Glovo. My name is Elna Schütz and you've been listening to GE Vital Voices. We release new episodes every month and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Healthcare has never been more accessible, intelligent or dynamic. It's also never been under more pressure. That's where GE Healthcare comes in. You and we, the clinicians and professionals, on the front lines of delivering healthcare for your patients and communities. Also, those building the intelligent devices, data analytics, applications and services to enable you to do so more efficiently and with better outcomes. Together. We're at the center of an ecosystem striving for precision health. Find out more
1: on gehealthcare.africa and we're all over social media as GE Africa. Till next time.